when I got to my mid forties, I all of a sudden looked in the mirror and looked down at the scale and I didn't recognize the person that I was. I, you know, I was close to 300 pounds. I was 297 pounds. Welcome to The Work in Between, the podcast that explores our health journeys and the daily habits and actions that get us to our goals. I'm your host, Gretchen Holmes. Let's get started. I am so excited about my guest today. Christine Platt is an assistant professor and director of the Health and Corporate Communication Program at Dominican University. She's also a dear friend. Chris, you've had an impressive professional life, but that's not why you're here. You have a pretty amazing health journey we want to talk about. I know everyone will be inspired by your journey because I am. Well, those are such wonderful and kind things to say. Thank you. And I'm really happy to be here because our journeys are similar in a lot of ways, but they are different in a lot of ways. So it always brings us together with many things to talk about, about how we've accomplished the things that we've accomplished and and the directions that have gotten us to this point. So well, so that's what you. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this because I think everyone's really going to get a lot out of it. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about your journey with autoimmune disease, what it is, what happened, what you had to go through, what you're doing in order to live a healthy, happy life of which I know you are doing. So let's get started. What do you even mean by autoimmune disease? And how did you know something was even wrong? Well, Gretchen, I can track this back now, knowing what I know. Of course, it took me to my 40s to figure all of this out and put the pieces together. But I, as a baby, was drinking soy milk because I was allergic to cow's milk or dairy. I had just about every organ in my body removed that can be removed over the course of time. I say that jokingly, but I've had tonsils removed. I've had adenoids removed. I've had my gallbladder removed. I've had my appendix removed. And all because of polyps and cysts, I've had five surgeries. And essentially what occurs in autoimmune disease is your immune system reacts differently than what a normal, healthy, regularly functioning immune system will do. And that can create a bunch of different things. But one of the things that it does create is a lot of inflammation in the body. And I think that is where the focus of my work and my explanations about how you can get control of autoimmune kind of centers around is this idea of inflammation. So I can kind of put things together now through all of these allergies and situations where I've had, you know, organs that haven't functioned correctly throughout my entire life, but it really boils down to this idea of inflammation and what a difference inflammation makes on, on our body working efficiently and effectively. I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there about autoimmune diseases, especially because I think they tend to affect women a lot. And when women sometimes go and talk with their physicians, sometimes things get dismissed or not given as much credence or importance as it should. Did you have that experience at all? Absolutely. And like I said, it it was, I was in my forties before I started putting all of this together, that all of these things were related. And I think many people and many women in particular go on this journey 
And what I found really interesting is I went from doctor to doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist to specialist, and I wasn't getting answers for why these things were happening. I was just being treated as each individual symptom or organ malfunction occurred. So I was never really getting that holistic approach to what was going on with my body that was causing all of this. And to be quite honest, for a long time, I was not my number one advocate because I felt like my physician should be my number one advocate. (laughs) So, and they were actually the ones that were directing this very symptomatic approach. You know, at one point I was dependent on pain medication because of a lot of joint and muscle pain. And I had to, you know, get off of the pain medication at one point in my life. You know, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which when you tell people that you've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, they kind of react like, oh, so they couldn't find anything wrong with you. So that's what they're telling you. (laughs) you Catch all disease. Yeah, it's kind of like people think of it as this catch-all disease. But a lot of these inflammatory autoimmune diseases are very difficult to diagnose because our medical system is really designed to attack symptomatic type of care, right? We address symptoms and we don't really think about those functional causes of, of what's going on, maybe as much as we should. Well, I agree. And I know because I know you and have known you for quite some time that part of your journey was being overweight. And I don't know about you, but I know in my journey, whenever I would go to the doctor and I've been overweight my whole life until two years ago, that no matter what was going on, no matter what I went to the doctor for, they attributed everything to my weight and they wouldn't believe me if I said, but I was eating healthfully, I was going to the gym, I was doing whatever, it was often dismissed. And even when I was having symptoms of cancer this last time, when it turned out to be endometrial cancer, it was attributed to being obese. So I'm wondering if you had any of those experiences. Absolutely. And, you know, when you go into a primary care physician, and, and I currently love my primary care physician, so I, he we have a great working relationship, but I have had primary care physicians in the past who will say, we need to address or talk about the weight problem. A lot of these things would resolve themselves if you would just eat less and move more, limit your calorie count. And, you know, I kind of type A competitive person, Gretchen, you know this. (laughs) So I would take those things seriously. And, you know, at one point I was eating between 750 and 1,000 calories a day, and I kept just continuing to gradually gain weight. And no one was really able to explain it to me. And when I would try to talk to medical care providers... I kind of got the look like, yeah, you're the girl sitting in the back of the closet with the cupcake, aren't you? And and I I truly wasn't. You know, I I tried every diet. I I did the keto, I did the paleo, I did, you know, I did not do Weight Watchers, which I know you have found to be super successful and I like a lot about Weight Watchers. I just never tried it, but you know, I had a long history of gaining and losing weight throughout my life, but you know, when I got to my mid 40s, I all of a sudden looked in the mirror and looked down at the scale and I didn't recognize the person that I was. I, you know, I was close to 300 pounds. I was 297 pounds. And I went to my primary care physician and I just said, I can't live like this anymore. I was on the verge of walking with a cane and I couldn't cross the room without holding onto pieces of furniture. 
And I identified as an athlete. I was an athlete in high school and college and super active and, you know, loved to throw a football around in the backyard and golf and play tennis. And it was a very difficult place for me to be. And he recommended a, a weight loss clinic that was in the medical practice. And that is when I found the functional medicine doctor that has been so helpful on this journey and really listened and heard me. And we started working together. And within about 18 months, I had lost close to 140 pounds. Which is outstanding. And I know, I know that on a lot of levels that made you feel amazing and and hopeful and reclaiming your life. And we will absolutely talk about that. But I am curious what your day-to-day life was like before you finally found some of your answers. So I know you are on pain medication. Um, I know you were having trouble kind of getting around, but what other effects did the autoimmune issues have on your body? What types of things were you eating? So what did your your day-to-day look like before? I was convinced that I had gluten intolerance and I was never proven right or wrong one way or the other. And at one point, about the time I started my PhD program, when you and I met, I had lost about 60 pounds um, and I was at a relatively healthy weight. My BMI was still over the 24.9 or whatever the healthy weight mark is, but I considered myself relatively healthy. And I had done that by eliminating gluten from my diet. And Now that I'm on the other side of this journey, I know that I am very sensitive to inflammatory foods and grain is one of those foods. So by eliminating just the grain out of my diet, I was making progress, but it was short lived and my life became very stressful for a lot of different reasons. And as my cortisol continued to increase, it was almost like the bear was chasing me all the time. And people who do suffer from autoimmune tend to be very sensitive to cortisol and other hormones in their bodies, and they don't react well to that. In my case, my body felt like I was in a hyper state of alert, like my flight reflex was pretty much going nonstop, and I was storing everything that I ate, preparing for some sort of fight. Could you even sleep? I mean, it sounds like something like this would really impact your sleeping. Yeah, I I did not sleep well. I was never diagnosed with sleep apnea. But if you ask my ex-husband and my children, they'll tell you that I was a horrible snorer. And now I don't really snore at all anymore, which is really interesting. But I had sleep apnea, I'm relatively sure. So I wasn't getting a good level of oxygen. I also have asthma, which is an autoimmune in the autoimmune spectrum. And so my breathing was never great. And that led to super restless nights. Didn't sleep well at all and slept in bursts until I would become just so exhausted over the course of a few days that I would just absolutely crash. So what happened when you went and saw this physician who finally figured out what was going on for you? What was that like for you from an emotional standpoint? We'll talk about the physical, but emotionally, mentally, what what did that do for you? I can so clearly remember him walking into the room, the exam room, and he looked at me and he put his hands like on either side of my face, like right 
below my cheekbone. And he said, you've had a bear chasing you, haven't you? And I didn't, I just kind of looked at him like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, let's go with it. We've tried everything else. And he kind of stood back and my ex-husband had come to the, the doctor's appointment with me and he looked at us both kind of back and forth. And he said, I know what's going on here. And he said, I think you're having an inflammatory reaction to different types of foods that you're eating. I don't think you're processing hormones the way that you should. And he said, if you stick with the plan that I'm going to give you, we're going to work together. And he said, in 18 months, you're going to feel like a different person. And at first, it comes across as extreme arrogance, right? I I mean, it was extremely arrogant, but he was the first person who didn't say, eat less, move more to me. He said, I have a plan and I think I know what's going on here. And just that confidence and that ability to see me made all the difference in the world. And I remember driving home from that appointment and we were talking in the car and, you know, we had gotten into this dialogue internally in my family about how we would fire doctors because we would go so long and nothing would happen. And the joke was, okay, we're going to fire another one. (laughs) because nothing was happening. And my ex-husband was kind of starting that dialogue in the car. And after a while, he said, are you not going to say anything? Did you, do you like him? Like, what do you think? And I guess I hadn't even been engaged in the conversation because I didn't know how to react to being heard. And for the first time, I felt like someone had actually heard what I said. It was super impactful for me. It's incredibly powerful, especially when we go from doctor to doctor to try to figure out what's going on. And it's as though we are speaking a foreign language and nobody is, not only can they not figure out what's going on, but then you start to doubt what you're even experiencing. And I think whenever we finally find a physician who really is listening to us, really sees us and doesn't dismiss us, that's incredibly powerful and empowering. And that because that's what we're all looking for, right? We're looking for a partner because nobody can do for us what we have to do. We have to do it. I mean, if, you know, I've lost a lot of weight and, and I don't care how good my physician is. They can't walk around behind me watching what I put in my mouth every day. I mean, ultimately we have to do it. But getting that level of support and compassion is incredibly powerful. I know I've had a lot of conversations with friends and colleagues and strangers who have struggled with their weight their whole lives. They finally get going in a good direction. They have some momentum. Maybe they've lost 10 pounds and they go to their doctor and their doctor doesn't even notice it. Or they say something to the effect of, we really got to work on your weight. And that is so crushing. It is soul crushing. And what typically happens is that we then leave the appointment and then we go eat and then we gain that 10 pounds plus another five or whatever. And so that's why for me, or worse, right? Or or we do take the cupcake or the bag of lace potato chips in the closet in the corner, right? That's right. We feel like it's irrelevant what we do. That's right. When they don't, when it's not acknowledged, it's just so difficult. So you had to make a bunch of changes in what you ate. And I know you've done additional work in how you move, but talk about what you had to do from a nutrition standpoint, because I think a lot of people 
would find this challenging, but you have found a way to make it work, make it healthy, make it delicious and integrate it into a very full life. So what is what does that look like for you now? One of the parts of the process in this stick with me for 18 months and and I'll make you feel like a different person if we work together on this. One of the first steps was to have a tremendous amount of blood work done, probably more blood work at one time than I've ever had done. And then the second thing was to sit down with a nutritionist and try to eliminate as many anti-inflammatory foods as possibly could for at least 30 days. And that was very scary. And to be honest, I did not know walking out of the nutritionist's office if I could do it because some of the things that I had to stop eating for 30 days were dairy, which I love cheese. <laughs> I am a huge cheese eater. I'm uh, not anymore, I will say, but I used to be grains, which were another huge, you know, thing that I used to eat because when I eliminated gluten from my life, for many years, I ate corn, corn tortillas, and other things that were made from corn flour or rice flour, and I ate a lot of rice. And so I had to eliminate some of the staple things that I had included in my diet that I thought were healthier alternatives for me, and now I was having to eliminate those things as well. And then another difficult thing was legumes. So I ate a lot of peanuts and beans because I was trying to eliminate as much of like fatty red meats and things like that from my diet. So I was eating a lot of beans. I can't say that I was ever vegan, but I would try to eat beans as a protein a couple times a week. And so I had to eliminate that as well. And that was super scary. And there are a lot of diets that kind of tend to this idea of eliminating inflammatory foods. And the one that she and I kind of worked out together was the Whole30 plan with some modifications for other things that I'm sensitive to. It started out as a super scary experience. And within two weeks, I was eating so much more food than I had probably eaten a day since I was a teenager. And I was feeling so much better that those things became less and less important to me. But if you had told me that before I experienced it, I would have never believed it. <laughs> and I've incorporated some things back into my diet. I don't eat dairy, I don't eat grains, and I don't eat beans or legumes of any kind. And just about anything else is is pretty open, except for I try to stay away from chemicals and processed foods. But. Well, I know for a fact, because we hang out, that what you eat is so delicious I mean, I think when we first get told that, you know, we shouldn't eat certain things, all of a sudden, all we can look at is the restrictions. And we don't look at, well, what does that mean that we can eat? Because there's lots of stuff out there we can eat. I know for a fact that how you eat, not only do you eat really well, but you eat absolutely delicious food. And I think that is one of the things that people don't understand that when we have to change the way we eat, whatever our nutrition is, that it can always be created in such a way that we probably will eat better and more than we did before. Don't I mean, because I know for me, after I stopped eating processed sugar and carbs, my taste buds started to change. And all of a sudden things, and this is going to sound so cliche. 
But things like roasted vegetables tasted so much better. And I remember when I first started losing weight and I made some roasted vegetables, I don't even remember which things they were, but I put a little balsamic vinegar on them and I put something else on them and and I took them out of the oven and I took a bite and I thought, this is the best tasting vegetable I've ever had. This is so good. And I thought, who are you? This is... (laughs) Why what have you done with me? <laughs> what in the world? I've never been excited over a vegetable in my life. This is ridiculous, but it's true. And I know for a fact that you've had similar experiences as you found some things sure. that just really work for you. And I think a lot of it is mindset too. And I know we almost use that term, you know, as such a catch-all. Sometimes it loses its meaning, but What I mean by that is the idea, for example, that I love cheese, and if I can't eat cheese, it's going to change the definition of my life in some way, which I I honestly, truly believed in in all my heart. If I couldn't eat cheese, it was going to be just the most tragic thing in the universe. (laughs) But I realized that when I did eat cheese, it set off an immune response that was not good for my body and made me feel terrible for hours, if not days. And at the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. So the alternative, you know, initially was, okay, what can I find that tastes like cheese? And there's nothing really that's going to taste like cheese, like nothing is going to give you that same satisfaction. So you have to find other things that you like just as well and and kind of move your mind away from it. I know that sounds very difficult, but once you actually experience it, it really loses its difficulty and it makes a lot more sense. And so I guess I would encourage anybody if you're faced with those types of things where you have to eliminate foods from your diet for one reason or another. You kind of have to give it a, a shot. Like you're eliminating sugar, changed the way that vegetables tasted because without the processed sugar, you were actually tasting the sugar that was naturally found in these plants that is so amazing and actually has a different flavor to it, but you weren't tasting it prior, right? Well, that's so, true because I totally dumbed down my taste buds from fast well, food and all the processed food. And now all of a sudden eating natural foods, the tastes are brighter. They are deeper. They, they're they much, much more delicious than they would have been before. And I know for me, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, I used to love donuts. I still love donuts. But what eating a donut for me now does is it sets off a whole bunch of events in my brain that number one, it thinks it's crack. But number two, I am starving to death if I eat a donut for the rest of the day and possibly into the next day, because all of a sudden that's all my body wants. It just wants more sugar. So I do so much better. My anxiety around food is gone. All of the the triggers that tell me I should eat nonstop, those are gone. When I don't eat sugar, my brain tells me I'm full, which I had never experienced before. So what we eat really, really matters. There's no question about it. And I think that we get so caught up into the emotional part of why we eat, that we aren't able to separate what's really happening 
physiologically. Well, and then I think too, the variety that you incorporate into your diet with natural foods makes all the difference in the world. My mouth brain connection, I try to keep things changing and moving so that I don't experience food boredom, I guess, for lack of a better word use there. But, you know, I might use like roast an organic chicken or even pick up a roasted organic chicken at the store, which you might say, oh, that's expensive, which it might be a dollar or two more than a regular chicken. But then I will reuse that same chicken for three or four meals um, in different ways. Now that's just for myself, right? My kids are grown and gone and and I'm not cooking for a family anymore, but I have found ways to stretch that food and kind of change up what I'm making with each iteration of the use of that food. And we did a lot of that a couple weekends ago. We did a lot of cooking together and- And, and we, ate really, really well. I have we to really say. did. We ate a lot of the same foods. We just changed up the way that we were mixing them and putting them together and- you know, we had a, a different menu set up almost for every single day. So we can talk for days and have and do, yes. but I want to make sure that we hear what your three recommendations or best practices are if somebody has just been diagnosed with anti-inflammatory issues or autoimmune issues. What are your three best pieces of advice or best practices? You know, I think the first one is, and you probably are going to hear this from many of your guests, drinking water. That idea, you know, water in and of itself is an electrolyte and your body needs water to function well. And very few of us drink enough water that we need to drink during the day. And that conscious effort to drink enough water. Um, and if you can sporadically put mineral water in there, so you're getting some of those additional electrolytes, potassium and magnesium, all the better. But being conscious about your water consumption, I think is number one. And number two is learning how to advocate for yourself and not putting the responsibility on others. And that can be, that's challenging, right? Because we so often, you know, I don't think weight loss and this idea of controlling our diet is a health literacy issue. I don't feel like we don't know what we need to do. I think there's so much material and so much information out there that we can figure it out. But I think the social issues that we confront are super challenging and learning how to advocate for yourself and get control over those things are, are super important. Yeah. Um, and I would add to that as well, sorry, is that one of the challenges is because there's so much information out there that it is really difficult to sort through what is good science, what is a healthy approach, what is actually good for us. I think that, or, or even setting our expectations, because I agree that it's not a health literacy issue. I think it is more trying to sort through all of the nonsense out there and really get at what is something that is healthy for us to try to incorporate into our daily life. So I just had to say that. So number three. Yes. And number three, I think goes along with that. And that is building a good team. Because if you need to lose a lot of weight or you're ill and you need to heal your body through movement and diet, you need a good team around you. You need good professional medical support. You need nutrition or a nutrition coach. You need, you know, you need the friends that will 
stand beside you and allow you to advocate yourself without sabotage or subconscious sabotage. And having that team of supportive people around you, I think is super important. I think you want, I think the goal here would maybe to be more food specific, but we all have different food issues that we struggle with. And I really think this idea of advocating for yourself and finding that great support team are two of the most important you can do. I love that. I hear so many stories from people who are trying to lose weight, who are trying to get healthy, start even if they're trying to stop drinking or whatever it is that they're trying to right. do. And they have family members, they have spouses, they have friends who put a lot of pressure on them to not get healthy because it may, I guess it's because it makes them feel uncomfortable, but there is a lot of food pushing that goes on out there. And there's a lot of peer pressure about not taking care of yourself. So it makes other people feel better. And while that is a whole topic for another show, no question, we could talk about that forever. Yeah. I think those were three absolutely brilliant suggestions. Absolutely. So we are out of time and I do want to thank you for coming and talking with us today. I know your story is going to help a lot of people. Uh, there's no question about that. And I hope you'll come talk to us again in the future. I would love to. And thank you so much for the invitation. Anything that I can do, you know, this is my life now. I love helping others and I love telling my story. It, it was a challenge and anybody, if I can do this, I, I know that anybody can do it. So, and you're doing it so well, I must say. Oh, thank you. So thank you, Chris, so, so much. A quick reminder that this podcast will be available on my website, GretchenHolmesPhD.com. Make sure you check it out. You'll find some really valuable resources along with my previous podcasts. Be sure and drop me a line if you'd like while you're there, because I would love to hear from you. Finally, from me to you, remember to love and celebrate yourself now. Today is the only way to good health. Until next time. This information presented on the podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 